Hello and welcome to Historical True Crime, the podcast where we take a look back at history's darkest crimes and criminals. I'm your host Lizzie and today is episode 45. We're going back to the United States and we're going to start in the late 1800s. Today's episode is on the infamous serial killer Albert Fish. Albert Fish, a prolific 20th century American serial killer, has gone by numerous aliases, including the Boogeyman, the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, and the Moon Maniac. Despite claiming 400 victims, Fish was found guilty and condemned to death for the murder of 10-year-old Gracie Budd. Fish was a small, gentle-looking man who appeared friendly and trusting, but when he was alone with his victims, the demon inside him erupted, a monster so wicked and vicious that his actions appear unfathomable. Warning for this episode, although I don't go into too much detail, the crimes are very graphic. But let's start at the very beginning. Hamilton Howard, Albert Fish, The youngest child of Randall and Ellen Fish was born on May 19, 1870, in Washington, D.C. Randall would be 75 years old when Albert was born, and 45 years older than Albert's mother. His mother suffered from hallucinations, and other family members had severe mental issues. At least two of his relatives died while in asylums. According to Harold Schechter's book, Deranged, the shocking true story of America's most fiendish killer, Albert was abandoned in an orphanage by his mother, Ellen, after his father passed away in 1875. A five-year-old fish would develop his bloodlust while at St. John's Orphanage. While there, he was subjected to all manners of physical and sexual abuse, humiliation, and torture, which completely warped his personality. It turned him into some kind of monstrous being. This according to Schechter for WTOP News. Though Fish didn't spend his entire childhood in the orphanage, his mother would return for him when he was around 10 years old. It did, however, have a lasting impression on him. Fish would connect agony with pleasure, leading him to later inflict suffering on himself. Fish was a sadomasochist, which means he craved both feeling and causing pain for sexual enjoyment. He would frequently subject himself to painful operations, most notably hammering nails into his own flesh, particularly the area between his scrotum and rectum. He used to drive them in and then take them out, but eventually he drove the nails so far in that he couldn't get them out. An x-ray would reveal 29 needles embedded in his pelvis after he was arrested and checked out by a doctor. According to Montaldo for ThoughtCo.com, Ellen Fish, now a widow, obtained a government job in 1880 when she removed Fish from the orphanage. He had minimal formal schooling and learned to work with his hands rather than his intellect as a child. Fish would establish a relationship with another boy not long after returning to live with his mother, and this boy would introduce him to drinking pee and eating feces. And his atrocities against children would begin only 10 years later, 
after a 20-year-old fish arrived in New York City. Fish was interested in other people's suffering and wasted no time in learning more after relocating to New York. He began to prostitute himself and molest young boys, luring them from their homes and then raping and torturing them. His favorite weapon was a nail-studded paddle. In 1898, his mother introduced him to a woman, Anna Mary Hoffman, and the two married. And for the first time in Albert's life, things began to improve. He and his wife had six children, and he was able to find consistent work as a painter and able to make a good livelihood for his family. According to Rodriguez for Medium.com, his mental state, however, began to deteriorate, and his behavior became more unstable and chaotic. He often ate raw meat and would encourage his children to do the same. One night, his son claimed he returned home to find his father rolled up in a carpet on the living room floor. His children also recounted one day playing in the field with their friends when they spotted their father naked on top of a hill proclaiming, I am Christ. Fish's children insisted that he was a good parent who never abused them and added that he did his best to provide for his family. But he was always doing something strange. When his children were little, Fish would spank them with a needle-spiked paddle and make a game out of it. And once his son claimed he returned home to find his father naked and painted with gold all over his body. Despite these strange occurrences, Albert Fish's life appeared to outsiders to be ordinary. But Fish continued to abuse young boys throughout his marriage, and his strange behaviors got worse. During this time, he also began to develop an interest in sexual mutilation. Fish would meet a man, Thomas Kedden, in 1910 while working as a house painter in Delaware. Fish and Kedden developed a sadomasochistic relationship, though how much of it Kedden truly consented to is unknown. Later accounts of the affair would imply that Kedden was potentially cognitively impaired though it is impossible to separate fact from fiction in a lot of Fish's stories. Fish lured Kedden to an abandoned farmhouse only 10 days after their first meeting. When Kedden arrived, he discovered himself locked inside. Fish would go on to torture Kedden for two straight weeks. The aspiring murderer mutilated his body and severed half of his penis. Fish had every intention of murdering and dismembering Kedden. However, the temperature was too hot, and he was afraid of being caught because of the smell. So Fish applied peroxide to the wound and left Kedden with only a $10 bill and a disfigured manhood. I took the first train I could get back home, Fish said. I never found out what happened to him or tried to find out. I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. By 1917, Fish was struggling to hide the indications of serious mental illness, prompting his wife to leave him for another man. Fish's self-harm would progress from inserting needles into his groin to shoving lighter fluid soaked wool into his anus and setting it on fire. His fixation with torture and cannibalism had led him to consider murder by 1919. He began to look for vulnerable young people. 
such as orphans with intellectual disabilities or homeless black children. Young people he felt would go unnoticed. In 1924, he attempted to get a young girl he saw playing alone to accompany him. However, he was apprehended by the girl's mother and fled. He subsequently tried to return, but was stopped by the girl's father this time, who drove him away. Soon after, another failed attempt occurred, when two boys discovered Fish's torture tools in his flat, were terrified, and fled. But Albert Fish wasn't deterred, and he responded to an ad that an 18-year-old boy named Edward Budd had placed in 1928 looking for employment. Because the Budd family was struggling financially, Edward had hoped to find work to relieve some of his father's financial burden. Albert responded to the ad by showing up to the Bud's house. He presented himself as a normal, non-psychopathic old man just searching for help around his house. The Buds had no idea that they were dealing with a psychotic murderer. Fish arrived on June 4th as promised, carrying gifts for all of the Bud children and spending time with the family over lunch. Mr. Howard appeared to the Buds to be a typical loving grandfather. After lunch, Fish stated that he had to go to his sister's house for a child's birthday celebration and would return later to pick up Eddie and his friend. He then asked the Buds if they'd like him to bring their 10-year-old daughter Grace to the party. Unbeknownst to her, her parents agreed, and she was then dressed in her Sunday best. Grace left the house excited to go to a party, but would never be seen alive again. Following the murder of Grace Budd, an innocent man was apprehended and imprisoned for 108 days before being exonerated in court. The true perpetrator, on the other hand, was busy writing Grace Budd's mother a letter in which he recounted in detail how he murdered the young girl. Grace's disappearance would be investigated for six years before detectives would make any kind of significant break in the case. Mrs. Budd would receive an anonymous letter on November 11, 1934, detailing her daughter's murder and cannibalism. Fish hid in an upstairs bedroom, naked, so as not to get blood on his clothing, while Grace picked wildflowers in the garden. This according to the letter sent to Mrs. Budd along with his confession. Then he summoned her inside, seized her before she could leave as she shouted at the sight of him. In this horrific letter, he said, quote, First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take the meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. Albert's demise, though, was expedited by this letter, which was plainly meant to provoke fear within the Bud household. He'd written the letter on a piece of stationery from the New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. Police then contacted the company and discovered that the paper had been left behind by a caretaker for the company at a rooming house where he had been residing. Albert Fish was renting a room at that same rooming house. When authorities discovered that Fish resembled Frank Howard, Grace Bud's kidnapper, they scheduled an interview. Fish confessed in an instant, virtually stumbling over himself to describe the exact specifics of what he'd done to Grace, as well as dozens of other children. 
Despite claiming he murdered dozens of children, only three, including Grace, were ever established as his victims. Fish was linked to the deaths of Francis McDonnell and Billy Gaffney after his arrest. When he met Albert, Francis was only nine years old. It was after a day of playing catch with friends that the young Staten Island resident would never return home. The boy's body was discovered hanging from a tree after a quick search. He had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his own pair of suspenders. Fish later acknowledged that he tried to castrate the young man, but fled when he noticed people approaching the grisly scene. After McDonald's friends reported seeing a man with a big gray mustache and shaggy gray hair, Fish was dubbed the Gray Man for his role in the crime. Francis McDonald's murder remained unsolved until Fish confessed after being caught for Grace's murder. According to Oxygen.com, Fish was later recognized as the same man seen with Billy Gaffney, a four-year-old boy who went missing from his Brooklyn home in February 1927. In March 1927, Brooklyn District Attorney Charles Dodd told the New York Daily News that he had met with Billy's neighbor, who said that they saw the young boy moments before he was taken. Their most astonishing revelation was that Billy had vanished within three minutes. At 5.30, Mrs. Cordovez saw him playing on the fourth floor of the building where he lived. Not more than three minutes later, someone else looked over and saw that the child was gone. Billy's body was never located, but Fish was named as a suspect by a streetcar driver who claimed to have witnessed an older man dragging the young boy into a trolley the night the four-year-old went missing. Fish confessed in horrific detail to Billy's kidnapping and murder. He said, I took a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these halves in six strips about eight inches long. I whipped his bear behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. On March 11, 1935, Fish's trial began and he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity with three experts, including psychologist Frederick Wordham, stating that he was not of sound mind when Grace was murdered. Fish said that voices in his head told him to murder children and commit his other heinous actions. Frederick Wordham, the psychiatrist with a focus on child development, who conducted mental evaluations for New York criminal courts, was the defense's main expert witness. He detailed Fish's infatuation with religion, specifically the biblical account of Abraham and Isaac, over the course of two days of testimony. According to Wordham, Fish believed that similarly sacrificing a boy would be atonement for his own crimes, and that even if the act itself was improper, angels would prevent it if God did not approve. Fish had attempted the sacrifice earlier, but was stopped by a passing automobile. The next intended target was Edward Budd, but he turned out to be larger than expected, so Fish decided on Grace. None of the jurors really questioned Fish's insanity, but as one subsequently said, they felt he should be executed nonetheless. He was deemed to be sane and guilty, and the judge sentenced him to death by electrocution. 
and in March 1935, Fish arrived at prison. He was allowed to compose a series of notes on his crime while imprisoned at Sing Sing. These would allow reporters reporting the grisly case to more accurately depict his misdeeds, with a first-hand narrative guaranteed to pique readers' interest. While most people believe he killed between three and nine people, Fish had another count in mind. His terrifying claim was that he had a child in every state, but that was never substantiated. Meanwhile, Fish's extensive prison recollections have never been made public. Albert Fish's counsel, Jack Dempsey, declined to release his client's notes before his execution on January 16, 1936. He took only one look at them to realize that what Fish had depicted was far too gruesome for public consumption. And again on January 16, 1936, Fish was electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison. But Fish's story, like most horrifying serial killers, lives on. His story has been adapted into a film. Patrick Backhow played Fish in the 2007 film The Gray Man. The plot revolved around the frenzied hunt for the individual suspected of murdering Grace Budd and torturing her family with his devastating letter. In addition to The Gray Man, a documentary named Albert Fish in Sin He Found Salvation was also released in 2007. This Albert Fish documentary delves deeper into the mentality of America's child murderer. And that will bring us to the end of a particularly horrifying episode, The Life and Crimes of Albert Fish. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to review, rate, subscribe, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback for us or a case suggestion, you can find us on Instagram at historicaltruecrimepod or by email at historicaltruecrimepod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week for another dark and notorious case from history. We'll see you then.